Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Do this, y'all. Let's, let's get it going. Welcome back to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. If you are joining us live, keep your eyes on the chat for good things in there. And thank you for all the podcast listeners that are tuning in. Keep learning with us every day. Uh, you guys know the drill. Let us know what your role is. And that's how we tailor the conversation. So that's what's going on right now. Uh, today, we are here to talk about selling to the executive persona. So I am going to introduce these two humans in the room right now. Uh, Christine Rogers of Aspireship. So we've had a long relationship, such a rocky start for me. Uh, but now, now here we are full circle. And Salman, uh, let me know if I get the name right. Is it Mahudin? It's pretty close. So uh, I'll let you go on that one. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Salman Sales Academy. This guy spends all his time helping frontline sellers make the magic. You might've seen it before, but go ahead and scan this QR code. It's going to take you to our website, let you know what we do, why we do, who we do it for, and explore our YouTube channel. That's where you get all the free stuff and highlights from the show. I want to give a big thanks to our partners, Magical, jumping on board, reaching out, doing all types of great things for salespeople, and Zoom Info, partners like you, make this show as great as it is. So thank you very much for being a part of it. We're going to drop something in the chat right now, strategies to use intent data in your call scripts. Put a one in the chat if you use a call script. Put a two in the chat if you do not currently use a, a call script. That's what I want to see in the chat right now. This is going to help you use the intent data in those scripts that you're using. Let's talk a little bit about what you're going to get. Executive etiquette. What does it mean? How do we do it? Uh, how are we impactful with these executives? And then, of course, pain points. We have to be able to talk about the things that matter most to them. So Christine and Salman are going to shed some light on that. And then, of course, ways to leverage executive connections and push deals through. So let's do this. Let's take a look at who's in the room right here. SDRs, AEs doing the most contact with uh, executive personas right there. Not a big shocker. I think they're the ones that have to get that like sign off, right? You guys talk to more AEs than anyone else, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, when, when, when I first started doing the research for this, one of the things that stood out to me, Christine, was that you said, if nobody's wound up about something, there's no deal. And you were talking about energy right there. I assumed that it was my transfer of energy that was going to win deals with executives. And you said, that's not the energy you're talking about. So let's break that down for everybody. What do you mean when you said energy? Yeah, I love that we're having this conversation because energy is such a big part of sales in every regard, our energy, their energy. But in this specific vein, I was, I was thinking about and talking through, someone has to have energy around this problem. There's got to be, somebody's got to be wound up about it because if, if nobody is wound up about it, there is no deal. There is nothing that's going to happen. And as we get into those personas, who <laughs> has that energy is going to determine, do we really have a deal? Because if it is uh, the, you know, the, the user buyer that's very wound up about it, we still need to make sure there's energy in the executive room, in the executive conversation as well. There's got to be energy in there. Mm. So, so somebody's got to be wound up about it. And then um, if we can determine that, then we know, okay, at least we're, we're in the zone. We're in the, we're in the ballpark. There's something that can happen here. I think it's a good identifier in that, in that context. And a lot of people, I think, read that and they think, well, I'm very high energetic and I don't close when I'm talking to executives as often as I'd like to. Is it my energy? That's not the energy we're talking about. 
Salman, you had a few things to say about this old adage that sales is the transfer of energy. Do you think there's some weight to this? How do you leverage energy when you're on these calls? Yeah. So there's three things, James. Number one, and I talk about this often, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you got to have conviction and belief in what you're selling. I mean, that's the most important thing. One thing that I missed out early in my career is I ran towards a big OT and a big payday. And then I slowly realized, wait a second, do I really believe in what I'm selling? Do I have conviction in what I'm selling? Do I really believe this is bringing value in my customers? And slowly my customers could see through it that I didn't. And ultimately I stopped through it. So number one is you've got to have conviction and belief in what you're actually selling. Number two, sometimes you got to match the personality of your executive, right? If they're a person that is kind of blunt and to the point, you got to match that. If they're very energetic, you got to match that. But you don't do it in a way that's fake or phony because they're going to be able to see through that as well. And number three, which I believe is is vitally important as conviction, is you have to do your homework. And we're going to be talking about this more this later, but you have to do your homework on the individual that you're speaking to. Because and from my experience, and Christine, you know this, and James, you know this as well, an executive when you're speaking to them for the first time, they're not going to sit down and spend time educating you on their business, on their industry, on their competition, on their challenges. They're going to expect you, hey, I expect you to know this. And if you don't, I'm not interested in having a conversation. Yeah, that's real. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tag on to that, that when Christine and I first met, y'all have to hear this. When Christine and I first met, she said to me on our first call, do you know anything about Aspireship? And y'all, I was in like go mode, do you know? And I said, no, I don't. And it was like a disappointing in myself, like, damn it, I didn't do this. And she was like, all right. And we had this like very lighthearted conversation. She was so graceful. But then, you know, it just kind of fell off naturally. And I was like so embarrassed. So now that we're friends, I really like remember that moment every time I see her online. And it's reminded me to do my homework. Christine, what about like conflicting energy on a call? Like so this one buyer is like super excited. You can see that they're wound up about it. But then there's this other player in the room that's kind of ho-hum and not so sure, very stoic. How do you navigate that? So I would say when when there are lots of people in the room, you always want to speak to what I would say would be the highest level in the room. So when we're bringing certain types of energy, we're bringing certain types of vernacular, we're bringing language, of course. So I don't know, Salman, you might disagree with me, but in, in this regard, whenever I go into any conversation, I will have my energy be slightly more elevated than whoever's in the room. So I might have just a little more, like I might be leaning in a little more. I've had so many people say, stop using your hands. I'm like, I don't know how to talk without using my, I gotta use my hands. I don't know how to do this, right? So generally I love the matching of the energy, but usually I kick it up just a little bit so that I'm bringing a little bit more to this conversation. Mm. Now, there's oftentimes when people in the room are not that interested. Because they're being dragged into this room for a purpose, right? They have to check a list or something. There's going to be that, of course. What I do think is really important is if we've got a room full of people, we've been working really tightly with yeah. maybe this one person over and over, and this person is very wild up. And then we all of a sudden meet, you know, uh, Candace, who's the boss. And now Candace is in the room. We need to be speaking to Candace. We know we're already good. We're, we know we're already good down here. We need to talk with Candace. We need to bring this elevated conversation and we need to remember anytime that we add more people to 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 our stages, to our process, we think we might be you know, in stage four of this deal. You add somebody new, you add Candace in, we're way back to discovery. We're back over here. We are discovery with Candace. Remember the shift that happens 
because we don't when we don't acknowledge that new person in the room we think we're here now we're way back here you just moved way back here. you you got more real work to do again so i think that's important for me anyway someone what do you think I completely agree. I think it's important that you have to align to multiple stakeholders. Like you got to know, like for to your point, I mean, we talked about this earlier. Like if you see that new meeting invite come through where somebody accepts the invite from a name you don't recognize, be prepared for that. Right. Do your homework. Maybe reach out to them earlier to say, hey, in order to see accept an invite, look forward. What is the top problem you're looking to solve for? When somebody new joins the call, maybe have your champion, you know, discuss the purpose of the call and how, what problem you're solving. Or ask them to share, hey, what's the top problem we're looking to solve for? So get them involved early and, and engage with them. Well, yeah, we're going to talk more about being constantly ready for that surprise Candace that might join your call. You have no idea when Candace is going to join. She could hop in at any point. Uh, Salman, when we talked about making it easy for people to do business with you, buy from you, work with you, you brought this to the table and you said you have two stages that you think people need to go through when they're looking at prepping for a call. So talk to me about this list of questions. And I would encourage y'all to ask your questions in the Q&A for these two experts. They will give you the best possible advice on this show. And take some screenshots of this stuff. You're going to be using it later. So, James, let me take you down a trip of memory lane. Many, many years ago, the way I kicked off discovery calls with executives, you know what I did? I do. Uh, you did. Well, well let, me, let me see. We all do. <laughs> I had my first call deck ready. You know those first call decks that uh, enablement teams, onboarding teams share with you saying, you should be sharing this deck. Look yeah. at all our growth. Look at all our accolades and awards. Founded in 1792. <laughs> yeah, look at our lean logos. This is what our customers want to hear. Really? I shared in doing that. I lost my prospects in the first five minutes. Sure. Why are you talking all about you and your accolades and your company? Make it about the prospect. Make it about the customer. So I ditched that because it wasn't working. And I did exactly what you're showing here. I did my homework, right? Who is the individual you're speaking to? What is their role? Where are they based at? And where did they work out before? Did they recently get promoted? What other industries have they been in? Did they speak on any podcast recently? Have they said anything important? Have they engaged on LinkedIn content? Have they wrote content? Learn all these things. And what I do, and you mentioned you do this as well, I'll set aside 15 or 20 minutes before the call or maybe the day before the call. And I'll put all this valuable context and information in a Google Doc. So I had that handy. And I'll, I'll share soon how I apply using that information to show them that I'm new, know them. And I'm not going to like just show off and start a call. Oh, I did all my homework. I know all about your company and look at me. No, it's about using that content with purpose, with intention to build that credibility up front quickly. I love this. Uh, I want to point out the fact that what we just gave you is a great way to be prepared for those two to three times a month. 42% of you that said two to three times a month, you get surprised by executives joining your calls. Uh, the, that checklist that you just saw will help you to prep for that. Christine, how do you feel about this approach that he's broken down here? I think it's great. Um, I think it also allows for you as the seller to I think these moments of surprise are where we really see people shine. Yeah. Like this is where your craft have come into play. Because really when you're just going through the motions and things, it's when surprise happens is when we really can see the distinguishing differences between a true professional who has honed this, who, yeah, might get a little like, what's going on right now? All right, now this is my time. 
where I'm going to get back control. We are uh, control the call, make sure everybody is in alignment. I am going to do these things. You can really see people shine in these moments. And I love that. Now, what he's pointing out is you should already know the Candaces in the play. We should already know those things. So so that if we, if somebody, uh, George pops it. I don't know, George, I knew about Candace. I didn't know about George, you know, but because you've actually done enough research in advance, you're not going to be, you're not going to be near as flustered. And these are the parts where it's truly, you become more confident as you kick up your competency. So this is your own mindset. You do that research ahead of time and you have a little bit more swag going into it. Like it's going to be hard to surprise me on this it one. Is. And when you do that, that confidence comes up. And then it's not hard for when George pops in, you go, George, welcome. Man, I wasn't expecting you today. This is fantastic that we have you in the room. It is confident. It is calm. And we are now, you know, we're moving forward. And so I love that just for the purposes, if nothing else, of just solidifying, you know what you're doing and you are prepared for whatever happens. That research is going to make you more competent in the conversation, which is going to lead to more confidence. And every seller could use a little more confidence on their calls, right? Let's pivot a little bit. I want to move to discovery because oftentimes these executives, you know, two, thir- two, two or three times a month as our data provided, right? They jump into these calls and we have to be ready to do kind of a different kind of discovery. Discovery looks different with executives than it does for the user buyer. First of all, what is a user buyer? Salman or Christine, either one of you, just give me a really simple definition so that everybody understands. Put a one in the chat if you've heard of user buyer before, put a two in the chat if that's a new term to you. People know that, right? Yeah, I think this, yeah, sure, totally. Uh, So I think a user buyer is, here's the thing, when you work with middle-level managers, with individual contributors or directors, they're concerned about the technology. They want to have their hands on the platform. They want to use it. So you got to understand the use case and how they're tackling it today and help them understand, you know, what features and capabilities can help solve those problems. For an executive level, I'll give an example. a major media company. I was speaking to my uh, one of my VPs there, and they said, "If you want to get in a room with our CEO, your platform has to have some sort of tangible impact on our profit, on our shareholder price, stock price, or reducing cost. If you can't, you're not going to get their time. Those are the things they care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Pretty much. The user buyer gave you that information. Yeah, there you go." Christine, yeah. what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I think that's I think that's a great example of when you've done a good job um, co-creating with your user buyer. So I think that there can be uh, a nice uh, relationship that happens there because especially if that person really needs this tool, this is, a, this is something that they are really needing. They need help to be able to sell it up sometimes. They might need, um, you know, they're looking at a few different types of solutions for this. You know, so so we want to help co-create with that person something that's going to work so that we can then elevate that conversation where it needs to happen yeah. into different parts of the organization. And so I think if you are serving, you know, and really coming as a thought partner and how can we how can we get to the next stage? How are we doing this together? It feels different than if you're trying to like sell them. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm gonna get to the next stage and I'm gonna sell her now and sell him. It's just all right. This is all, we're all working together and we're going to, we, we don't want to miss sell. We don't want to over promise and under deliver. Nobody wants that. That costs everybody way too much time and energy and money. 
So we want to make sure that I really like the idea of working in tandem and making sure that we are seen as a resource. Leads to a ton of disappointment when that happens on both sides. It's not just the buyer. It's not just the seller. Everybody is setting ourselves up for that disappointment if we're not doing these steps, taking those extra, taking that step back and looking at all the things this person possibly cares about so that we can dial in what talks about them, even in that surprise situation. Uh, Christine, you had a great list of things and you already mentioned features and functions, right? John Barrows, my friend John, always says, if you talk features and functions, you're going to get pushed to people that do features and functions. If you talk business impact, you're going to get the people that impact the business. Uh, Christine, you said, these are the things that bother you when you get on these calls and people start talking about things they should already know. People start talking about things that you don't have context for. How do we get around this as sellers and how does that make you feel as a buyer? Well, again, if I'm an executive, I'm coming into the room. So you have to keep in mind, I've gotten some information, okay? Enough for me to be in the room. Generally, I will say, if I'm kind of in the middle of that sales cycle and I pop in, I'm there to kind of be, like, what are we doing? Are we we on the right track? You know, I'm there to kind of listen. I usually will have a couple of very specific questions I want answered. Like, if I'm being really honest, there's some things where I'm like, my person has missed these things. I want to make sure we're on the right track. Or I'm not convinced nobody could, when I asked about something like, what's the timing on this? Like, how long will this actually, and it's wobbly. Whenever yeah. I'm going in there to come and and give a yay, or yeah, we're going to keep going with these people, or we are not. And usually I have some questions. So so in those conversations, when I pop in, you definitely don't want to waste my time. You absolutely are acknowledging that I'm in veto mode right now. And I'm about <laughs> just saying, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because I'm popping in midway in order to see if we want to keep progressing this yeah. with with you, you know? And so I think it's super important. Again, don't waste my time. Wasting my time. I don't know if we've even talked about this on what wasting time looks like. If you are regurgitating everything that I could have already read in the 12 other emails that you sent and copied me into, if you're regurgitating anything, no, I'm not going to like that. Now, if you are asking me questions to validate that we're still on the right track, hey, these are the things, this is how I would say it. These are the three things that we were talking about. These are the objectives that we're working on. Here's the initiatives that are going to be for all the way to Q4. We need to make sure we're tidy on that. Any about, anything about that changed, Christine? Now I'm like, they listened. They've got it down. They're asking me very poignant questions, asking me if things have changed that could change the overall view. Like these are questions that I'm interested in because it's showing me that you paid attention, that you're coming with all of your thoughts and your prep work in hand to to actually show me that you know what you're doing. And then to, then that makes me feel better rather than saying, so what is it, you know, what, what are your initiatives again? Do we have to do this again? I yeah. think we did this. You know, that just immediately irritates me. Yeah, uh, I liken it to the same as like coming into a job interview and your first question as the candidate is, so what do you guys do here? Oh, God. Right. Well, thank you for coming in. This interview is over. Right. It's the same feeling. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if hey, hey, any hiring managers in the room, you know exactly how I feel because you've been in that seat. Uh, Salman, respond to everything that Christine just said. And then uh, I want to talk about something that people might feel a little sensitive about. But go ahead and respond, because I know you got a lot of tactical takeaways. Yeah, I love what Christine said. And I, I want to take it to two levels because one is, like you mentioned, is the user level folks and then executives on the other side. Let's focus on the user level uh, folks as well, director, mid-level managers, individual contributors. 
Unfortunately, when we get onboarded and enabled on our product, a lot of the enablement is done with buzzwords and buzz problems and product jargon. Oh, we can help you centralize all your data in one place. We can take your data silos and put it together and drive more efficiencies. Your, your prospects don't care about that. What they're dealing with is their day-to-day problems. You know what they're, figure, they're thinking about? They're thinking about, oh my God, you know, I got to increase my conversion rate by 10% by the end of this quarter. I don't have the data at my fingertips. It's all in separated 12 different systems. It takes my development team so much time to gather it. I got a gold egg. That's what they're thinking about. You have to put your feet in their shoes. So when you go to a user level folk, you can, you can, you can talk about this. Hey, listen, you know, when I speak to marketing folks like you, a couple of key things that they come to us with is number one, their customer data is scattered across all different systems. Number two, it takes their development teams hours a day to try to cobble up that data. And number three, the results in poor digital experiences for their customers in real time, leading to lower conversion rates and missed revenue opportunities. You see what I did there? I didn't talk about capabilities. I didn't talk about product benefits and product jargon. I focused on their language. That's what you need to do. And then the other side of the executive, how do you get their attention? One way that I, I didn't speak to uh, as much before is do your research on the comp- competition as well. These executives, they care about what their competitors are doing. They're paying attention. What if you do some of that homework for them where you look at two of their top three competitors in their space? Maybe one of their competitors is a customer of yours. And maybe you wanted to share something that would bring value to them. Hey, Linda, our team actually did some whole work with some of your industry peers last year that I think you might find interesting. Might if I share that with you? So you're bringing that value to them based on the homework that you did. I also want to point out something that Salman does very well. You're um, like the ability that you have to say, I'm going to, there's three points that I want to make. Like as an executive, I am into this because now I know I'm bullet pointing. We're tight. He knows what he's doing. Um, and and just as a note, whenever I read emails and things like this, if someone puts bullet points, bam, 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 I'm like, you know, quickly scanning for what is the most important pieces. So sometimes being able to do this in in a you know a verbal conversation, it it naturally I know he's not gonna go on too long because he only has two points. Yeah. So I'm already focused on like I'm gonna listen to his two because if he's saying, okay, there's two really important things right now. Now you got my attention. You got my attention. Because now we've singled out a couple of different things the same way in in written communication as well. I read walls of text and I'm completely bored. If you say like, hey, here's the three things that you know tomorrow we're going to be meeting based on all the conversations we've had here are the three things i think are really important for us to discuss tomorrow boom 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 now i know exactly what i'm doing i know what we're going to be talking about i'm not confused this is part of making it easy for people to do to do great work with you don't create friction don't make me read a wall of text don't go on and on and on just make it simple make it simple for me to to be lean right in and be enthusiastic about what we're talking about yeah, it's a, and once again, it's that energy, right? I can't get to my energy if you're making me sift through all this stuff that I have to get through to to right. channel that energy. Uh, before before I ask this question, I I want to I want to launch this because we're we're going to talk about it in just a minute in a way that makes a lot of sense for some of you account executives and SDRs in the room here. Uh, but you use a tool called Trumpety, and I want to I've never heard of that, so I just kind of wanted you to explain what you're using that for. Uh, to get into that sphere, and I'll, I'll I'll bring it up in the context of this tactic. Yes or no in the chat? Have you ever had 
a great conversation with your frontline seller, your user buyer, and then used what you learned to reach out to the executive that's your signer. Yes or no in the chat, have you ever done that? Christine, is this a good move? I I think it can be a very useful tool. And so it's not going to be for every every situation. But trumpeting in our kind of my world is where like, let's say the exec knows or is a part of knowing that this this conversation is happening with the user buyer. If you think about how an executive wants to um, stay on top of something, especially if they if if they've been involved in some regard, what we can do is we can hit them back up and say, like, God, had a great call with Kevin. This is the things that we're working on. We'll, we'll keep you informed as we move through this process. So you're also you're highlighting Kevin's doing a great job working with me. Here's what I've learned, and I'm going to keep you informed as we move through this process because it, and I really I I appreciate that approach because if you think about it, execs typically don't want to get into all of the weeds. But if you give me a high level on here's where we're at, and you keep it nice and simple and just say I'm I'm going to keep you informed. You know, it makes Kevin look great. It also is your it also shows your confidence level that you are not afraid to go directly back to to the higher executive presence and have that conversation. I think so often we're afraid to go high. We're afraid to go high because we don't know, you know, we don't we're cautious, we're careful, but just informing me as a one is a really nice way for me to go. I like that this person is consistently telling me what's going on and where we're at. This is this is super helpful. Yeah. I think it helps to avoid us being locked in champion mode. Mm-hmm. We have to graduate from that at some point if we want the deal to progress. So we get to our champion and then executives start circling, right? And we get nervous and then we just kind of avoid too many conversations with them, right? We have to be comfortable having those conversations with those executives. Uh, and, you know, trumpeting is a good way to go from one to the other, right? I like this idea of not trying to place a a sales pressure type of scenario in the message, but just being like, hey, I had a great conversation with this human that you employ, (laughs) right? And I think it's going to work out great. I'm going to keep you posted. I feel like you're going to go that way as the executive and be like, what's happening here? Or, hey, I just got this great message. I love to hear this, right? Like you're you're doing your job. (laughs) That's That's a good thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. uh, one thing, if I could add to that, you yeah, because uh, I think it's great. Like, get the executives, keep them in the loop. But one area that I believe AEs tend to struggle with, where, where they come to me, they're saying, "Hey, Salma, like, how do I navigate this cycle? Like, if I if I have a great call with my champion, with the director, whoever it is, and I want to engage their executive, how do I do that without ticking off the champion? Without yeah. you know really getting on their nerves and saying, like, what are you doing, Salma? So here's one way that I try try to uncover who that executive is. Obviously on the discovery call, I might ask, hey, usually when you know prospects are looking to solve a big problem like this, it usually means it could be driven or by, this initiative could be driven by somebody at the executive level or somebody at the executive level cares about this. In addition to yourself, who else cares about this from an executive standpoint? So I'll try to uncover who that is. And if I uncover who that is, what I'll do is maybe if I've developed a really good relationship and I don't want to go around them, I'll have my boss or my VP send a note to that executive with no ask. It's basically something like this. Um, you know, hey, Linda, uh, you know, Bob from our team is, you know, working closely with your marketing team on to solve for X problem. I understand that you have a key goal that you're trying to hit. 
And over the next couple of weeks, they're going to be working on proving out a couple of use cases. I'm the VP of the central region. Uh, feel to reach out. Just wanted to keep you up to speed. And at least that there's executive alignment from that standpoint. And you know, you won't get backlash because it's not coming from you. That's great. I like that. Some great strategies here that you guys can all take and start using right away. We're going to show you a linear equation here that Salman and Christine are going to give you on something that I think is a tactic we could all adopt, right? But let's talk about a sensitive subject here for just a minute. It looks like some of the results here are very interesting. Within two minutes, most of you, the voters, are into the heart of this conversation with your executive buyer. Kudos to you. For those of you that were not part of that 44%, numbers is often something that will help you to transition into those things with your executive buyer. Uh, when Salman is appropriate to bring the numbers into the conversation, and I think we could talk about this in two different realms, right? One of them is a scheduled call with an executive, and the other is that surprise situation where Candace showed up, and now I've talked about numbers that matter to Candace, and I wasn't ready for that. Uh, so Salman, let's start there. And uh, Christine, your opinion, obviously, so important in this. Both of you guys get so much outbound. <laughs> totally, totally. So I, I love talking about this because when you talk about numbers with executives, I think it's about the numbers that they care about. Because just like AEs and SDRs, what are we measured on? We're measured on ACV, ARR, SQOs, pipeline. Conversion rate. Meetings, conversion rate, all that. That's what we're measured on. So if we're facing some sort of problem in our role, those numbers are going to be affected. And your executives, your user buyers as well, have the same problem. Mm. Your VPs of marketing, for example, they are measured on something. They're sitting down for their quarterly business reviews, uh, performance reviews every quarter, and they're held accountable for certain things. How can you uncover what that is? How do you build trust? A four-step approach that I like to uncover is number one, finding out the metrics that are important with them. Hey, Linda, uh, you know, usually when I speak to VPs like yourself, they're usually uh, measured on some sort of KPI or metric. What is the KPI or metric that's most important to you? Uncover what that is. Number two is find out how that metric is being affected. So let's say they say, yeah, conversion rates are really top of mind for us. Okay, don't mind me asking the problem that you stated you're facing. How is that affecting currently your, your conversion rate? Well, it's going down by, you know, 5% every year because of this. Understand what that target. The third thing is understand what their target is. Hey, I hope I'm not overstepping my boundaries here, but is there a specific specific target you're trying to hit by the end of 2024 in terms of conversion rate? Find out what that is. Number four, ask them if they've done any sort of internal analysis to quantify that. Hey, I'm not sure if you did any sort of internal analysis, but how, have you been able to quantify that that loss of conversion over the last few months? Getting that type of information is extremely valuable, even to the point where you just understand the metric that they care about and how it's being affected. It gives you the foundation to build a compelling business case. A compelling I want to add, let me tell Salman, you did that so well. This also is so important because as we talked about trying to be that kind of the heat-seeking missiles for energy, this is where you find out if there's energy. Because as you're asking executives their numbers, you're going to get something different. Let me tell you what no energy sounds like. Um, yeah, you know what, what, what? We're just looking at, you know, saving some dough this year. We're, you know, our expenses have gotten really high. We need more revenue, uh, less expenses. That is not an answer. That's not an answer. Because, yeah, every company wants to cut back on expenses and every company wants more revenue. So, like, why are we talking now? Why now? That's like, I want to get off this call. 
<laughs> that's like a, that's no energy. But it's like if now if nothing's bugging around those things, then that's where you're going to be able to. So this is such a great way to test your pressure testing for energy. Okay, so here's the thing about you know I'm I'm thinking especially when you did the four that was perfect online where it's just like here's what I'm hearing. Any of this resonating with you? You know, you're basically trying to see. And I can tell you, if you can do this on a Zoom, you can start to see when somebody is agitated by, you know, uh, I know I noticed, you know, I was looking on G2 the other day and I saw that you guys were having, it looked like you had some downtime. Like that, that had to be really hard. I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of negative reviews pop up on there. You know, you can see it where when an executive is like, yeah, it was, it, it is, it is a burn for us right now. We're really trying to work on those issues. You know, you're starting to understand where the energy is, is it is it timely now? Because again, this idea of we can create urgency, all those we there has to be somebody that's got energetic energy, energy, energy. I just want to keep saying that because if yep. it's not there, we can't we can't. It's very hard to manufacture urgency if there is not somebody that's that's really really wound up. And the numbers will help you get there. The numbers. Yeah. You don't want to end up having to chase that energy down. It's much harder to chase than it is to hold on to once it's there. Right. And keep I like that. It up. Yeah. So once you know the numbers, then we are going to consistently be bringing back to those numbers because those are the objectives. And it's scary. I think this is my personal belief. I think the reason why we as salespeople get nervous to talk numbers is because we don't want to promise that we're going to be able to fix everything. Like, oh, yeah, we got that nailed. You you pick us and that's not going to be a problem anymore. Here's us, right? It makes us a little bit nervous. So we we soft pedal it rather than just saying, yeah, we're not going to 100% be able to solve that problem. But man, we can knock out a good chunk of it. Of those seven things that you articulated for me, we do four. I feel really good about that. Amazing. It, like it's a big enough problem. It's that confidence that, you know, you're not promising everything. Yeah. Don't don't promise the world because you'll almost always under deliver, right? So let's let's take a look at an example here. This is an example of something everyone can do. There are three steps to this. We're gonna show you where this came from, what we're pointing out. We're gonna show you a simple ask, and then we're gonna show you an actual message that you can construct. Salman, break this down. Yeah, totally. So remember I talked took you down a memory lane where I started my, you know, calls with executives with decks on, right. you know, slides on how great we are and all that, you know, take that to the side. Nobody cares what they care about is maybe what some of their executives are doing. So the way I kick off executives calls, there's one way I do it. And this is after you done, you know, explained pleasant trees, small talk, went through intro and agenda. And I'll say something like this. And before I say it, what I'll do is I've done my homework. So I found a quote of something their CEO, Dave McKay. Dave McKay is the CEO of a Royal Bank of Canada. And I did my homework. Through my homework, I found a great LinkedIn post where he talked about RBC's future of work, which is an initiative at the bank uh, where they need to become a more innovative and efficient bank with new tools and capabilities to align with the new hybrid work environment. This was from a couple of years ago when people were returning to work and so on. Uh, and they needed to align to that strategy, but it was difficult. So I said, oh my God, I'm meeting with the VP of operations. I think this is a great quote to share. So I put a deck, to, a slide together that had the quote and had the image, actually had an image of the CEO to make it more visual. And I kicked it off with something like this. I said, so this is after the agenda. Hey, Linda, you know, I, I wanted to share something that really piqued my interest and wanted to get your thoughts on it, given your 15 years of experience in the space. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, your CEO, Dave Mackay, talked about something that, that was really insightful. He talked about the fact that 
in this new hybrid environment that we're working in and people are returning to work and working remotely, they need to move towards a better way to engage their employees in a meaningful way to drive up engagement. And it's all related back to the RBC's future of work. So I wanted to ask you personally, how does Dave's strategic priority of the future of work align to your objectives as VP of operations and how your team supports it? You see, and then I just shut up. And you know what I've done there? I've taken my discovery from down here, from departmental and team needs, all the way up here to organizational C-level priority needs. And if you do this to kick off your executive level calls, you will take your calls to another level. This uh, easy micro strategy that y'all can execute on went from the CEO's content to a relative human being that is that buyer, user, user buyer persona, and then taking it from their level and putting it way above. This is easy to do if you take the time to do it. Uh, there is another approach, and this is another approach. And uh, I think, Christine, you you probably have a, a thing or two to say about this. <laughs> Well, I, uh, first of all, I love that. And also if you caught what he was saying too, as he said, with your 15 years of experience, you know, he was interjecting pieces of, of the research study done about Linda as well. And if you just keep this in mind, as people want to matter in these conversations, if you ever make people feel less than, it doesn't feel good. And we want, we want everybody in the conversation to matter in this conversation. We, and I love that you did that, Salman, where you're saying, this is what I've done. I've done the research. I've here to here. I also know who you are and appreciate who you are in this conversation, Linda. So that was great. I think this approach is fantastic, by the way, because I have, um, it is very rare that I am surprised in a positive way um, on a call. And this would have absolutely delighted me. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm looking like delight is what I want, you know, is like, wow, this was that person was extremely prepared, you know, yeah. like in a good, I, I am, my guard comes down when I know that someone is professional and will also lead me down a path that says, you know what, I don't actually don't think this is great for you. Yeah. This might, if I trust that as well through the whole conversation, like, hey, I'm looking at big picture. I'm looking at what you need. I'm looking at your objectives and we're going to work on this together. It may or may not work for us to partner together. I haven't a completely different feeling. I don't, well, we, they always say, you know, people want to buy, they don't want to be sold. That is very true. Yeah. It is absolutely true. There's a different feeling altogether. Yeah. Uh, everybody likes to buy stuff. Nobody likes to be sold stuff is a quote I've heard many times. I'm going to give you an original Salman Sales Academy quote right now. Everybody take out a pen or get ready to, to tweet or X this. I don't know what you call it nowadays. But this quote, when he said this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a good quote. The biggest deals are stemmed from problems that put executive priorities at risk. Think about that for just a moment and understand how it functions in your sales cycle. Salman, talk to me about this other approach you have here. How does it work? Is it easy to do? Can everyone do this? Yeah, you can do it. Uh, let me talk about another approach. And I, I love the commentary from Christine. Uh, like She is an executive. She knows when somebody stands out on a call. And that's what you need to do. Like, if Christine, if you're evaluating five different vendors and you have five different discovery calls, what's going to stand out to you? This level of preparation, this level of insight, that's going to be like, wow, and that's what stands out, right? That's why you're in this competitive market. And, and I love the quote that you shared uh, about that, that is the juiciest opportunity. You want to find juicy opportunities, uncover a problem that people care about solving that is blocking or putting a 
executive level priority at risk by that opportunity. Let me, let me give an example of another approach. Um, so there was this, uh, CIBC is uh, the fifth largest bank in Canada. Uh, we were able to lock in a meeting with a, a senior VP of employee experience. She was responsible for managing all of their internal uh, productivity applications for employees. So I had this meeting two weeks out and I was like, okay, how do I prepare for this and just knock her socks off? So I said, how about this? Let me do a bottoms up approach. And by the way, you can do this bottoms up approach when you're prospecting to an executive level as well. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. So just think about that. So what I did is I reached out to about two individual contributors and middle level managers to let them know, hey, I'm actually meeting one of your senior executives, wanted to pick your brain on a couple of things. Would you mind having a brief chat? I was able to lock in a call or two. And the purpose of that call before this meeting with the SVP was I just wanted to have an understanding of some of the uh, different collaboration and productivity tools that they were using, some of the problems that they might have been facing with it, and how they're tackling it today. And they were kind enough to spend five or two minutes for me just to understand that. So I got a list of some of the tools, problems, and use cases. But when I went into that meeting with that SVP, instead of sharing a quote, I said something like this. I said, hey, Linda, listen, I'm, I had a chance actually to speak to a couple of folks on your extended team over the past couple of weeks. And I uncovered some insights that I think you might find interesting. Do you mind if I share that with you? And I basically said, hey, I spoke to a couple of folks and mentioned their names. They mentioned that they're using five, five of these tools today. And that, you know, he was like, yeah, that's totally what we're using. Here's some of the key challenges that they're saying. I'm curious to know, how are you looking to tackle these, some of these issues that your team is facing today? And what are some of the initiatives they have around that? So that built instant credibility. Because I knew going in some of the tools that they were using, some of the problems that they're facing, and it turned into a fruitful conversation. Some great insights right there. And um, I want to say that you guys have dropped an absolute ton of knowledge. Christine, if you have a final thought, something that these folks can take away with them today, that's simple, easy, quick sentence, what should they be thinking about? Um, well, I think I've said it a million times, but really trying to make sure that you understand the energy in the deal. And that each person, there's got to be, if you have your, you know, what we call it above the line executive decision buyer, whatever we're calling it, you need to make sure that that person, that that person is wound up as well. And if everybody else, yes, we need to have that as part of the conversation. But if you don't know how that person is going to be impacted by what you're doing, you do not have a deal. This is not a deal. So make sure you know that cover up that energy. You need to know where it lives. Salman, final thought from you. Jerry Springer style. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. 30 seconds. Let me talk about it. I touched on it earlier, but I'm very, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you know I'm passionate about this. Stop using product jargon. Stop using buzzwords, something I call buzz problems. Don't use those when you're prospecting to executives or when you're prospecting to directors and VPs. They don't care about all your features and capabilities when you're reaching out. They care about their problems. How are you going to solve them? So stay away from manual processes, the lack of visibility, and single source of truth, and efficiency. No, speak their language, learn their language, and use that in your prospect. Great insights right there. I want to thank you both for coming out. We are going to drop their LinkedIn's in the chat so that everybody can go follow Salman and Christine. You need to connect with these humans. They are going to help you to be a better seller every day. Their content is all about salespeople and how they can be their best selves. Uh, thank you so much for coming out and spending time with us today. Uh, please join us tomorrow as we talk about expert strategies to book more meetings. We might as well just change the name of this show to book more meetings. That's basically what we talk about every dang day. But I wanted you guys to follow me personally. It's at Say What Sales. I've never met a stranger, just a friend I haven't met yet. 
Uh, connect with me anywhere you like. I'm pretty much on all the platforms. And of course, you're going to get a survey after this to let us know how we did and what you want to see more of. That is the name of the game, self-improvement. That's what we do every single day. Thanks again, everybody. We will see you tomorrow for another stellar guest on Sell Better.